With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today joined by Gav Buckland, Sam Carroll, and Dave Prentice, who is due the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park. And yet again, the major talking point is the managerial situation, um, pushing a week since Michael Silva was sacked, and still no permanent replacement in place. Lots of names, lots of rumours. But all we do know for certain is that temporary boss Duncan Ferguson remains in that position and looking likely to take charge of the team on Sunday at Old Trafford for the game in Manchester United. Um, before we come on to the, the names, those who've pulled out, those who look like they may be interested and those who have just been chucked into the mix for good measure, um, we'll speak about Duncan's first day in charge, first game in charge rather, and, and, and how well it went. Preno, um, you were at Goodison. It could not have gone any better, could it? Just going to say that, couldn't have been better. You know, we sat in the same room on the Friday and we said we don't know quite what to expect. Uh, we knew we would get the fans on side, which was a positive after the negativity of the previous home game. We didn't know quite what he would bring to the table in terms of tactical awareness, acumen, ability to motivate players, etc. Ticked every box, didn't he? Um, got the flying start that we needed. Um, you know, what did he be you know, lacks defensively, he's got going forward and, you know, great quality cross, great quality finish you know, from Richarlison. And that was it then. It was like, you know, lighting the, uh, the blue touch paper. You know, the place was just, you know, bouncing. And uh, again, what we said last Friday when we're like mulling over Marco Silva's round, we said, how many of his games were memorable? You know, how many would you look back on and say, oh, that was a great day. That was a great day. You know, arguably two. Um, straight away, that was a memorable Goodison occasion. You know, so it was an absolute privilege to be there. The atmosphere was brilliant. You know, the fallout was brilliant. Just a great day. And, and if anything, Duncan's like bought the board a little bit of time now because he's shown that he can get a reaction out of the players. So you know, obviously, the different kettle of fish going to Old Trafford and trying to get a reaction from them. But equally, that urgency might not be quite as acute uh, to you know make an appointment as it had been you know Saturday morning last week. Sam, what were your thoughts going into, into into the early kickoff then, and with Duncan in the dugout? Did you expect a reaction or, or the level of reaction that he got from the players? No, I don't, I don't think I did. And to be honest, I think I'd just kind of given up on on this group of players. Really, I think um, with some of the performances, you know, it, it was very concerning that I don't really think, you know, especially now when you look at the reaction uh, some players had. Certainly, and I mean. Obviously, you can't take a lot from from posts on social media, but you know a, a, a good portion of the Everton players did seem to be generally quite gutted that Silva had left, and you know so this this wasn't a manager really that like what happened with Martinez and Cumin. I, I wouldn't really say the majority had down tools on them, and they were still turning in you know p- performances like the the humiliating one they did at Anfield, and and I just couldn't see how, how we were going to beat a team like Chelsea, and uh, but. There was just something from the first whistle, wasn't it? And, and again, you know, it was great to score early, but everyone was 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 putting the body on the line. Everyone was throwing the tackles in. 
you know, Morgan Schneiderlin hasn't had a game like that for Everton since the first... I'm going to say forever, I think. Well, like, probably. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't had a game like that for Everton since we first signed him. And he had that brilliant kind of second half to the season under Ronald Koeman. You know, Richarlison, I think, I'd kind of said it early on in the season, but he, he's now Everton's talisman, do you know what I mean? And for, for a 22-year-old, but he's not just a talisman in terms of the goals he scored, and he's a talisman in terms of, you know, you're knackered just watching him sometimes in, in the effort he, he puts in. I remember, obviously, I was in the office here on Saturday and I'm watching the game on telly, but, you know, he was just seemingly everywhere, you know, and you just don't get that from many of the other forwards. And, you know, I think Calvert-Lewin came out and said, you know, he, he wanted to repay Ferguson for all the work he's put in over the three the three seasons. You know, you're seeing that Tom Davis was also straight over to him. You know, it, it seems like for all these kind of rumours that get spread around and for all these kind of words on in the stands and on social media about how, you know, Ferguson's been part of these failed regimes, you know, it seems like f- for the players, he's a, he's a fairly popular character. And, and as a manager, he, he seemingly has something there. And he spoke after the game about how the game plan was to push them out wide. And, you know, I think it worked. Chelsea only really had chances going down at the full-backs. And, you know, we had a few nervy moments, but you're always going to do that when you play against the team in the, in the top four. So, yeah, an unbelievable reaction. And as Prem said, whether you can get that again, or Old Trafford remains to be seen, but you know what a day, what a day for Ferguson and, and everyone involved. Gav, why do you think, or how do you think, Duncan was able to to, to yield such a reaction in what was less than forty eight hours with the players, or certainly if one one training session and, and a couple of meetings? Um, force of personality, I would imagine. I mean, he's a physically imposing. <laughs> Yeah, which which helps, doesn't it? Really, suggesting they were intimidated by it. <laughs> no, no, but it helps, though, doesn't it? He, yeah. He's he's, he's yeah. got a, we know Duncan. He's got a reputation, hasn't he? And, and I think that 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 can help you. I mean, as long as you, you use that in a positive way, rather than intimidate people. But you know, the, he has. I think obviously he's picking up on Sam's things. He's he's obviously learned a lot in his mm. sort of six years or something mm. like that mm. under three or four different regimes. He's obviously learned a lot in that time. Um, and it probably helped that he just had a day with the players, giving that short, sharp message. If he'd had a week, mm. it might have been slightly different. And um, I thought I was surprised because, likewise to Dave on Friday, and I'm picking up on Sam's point as well, that the players had nearly down tools. And, and I said on under the previous manager, and I said on Friday that I wasn't it was going to be really difficult for I could see about really getting a real upbeat performance but he, he did yeah. you know and I, I did say if he set up well that would give him a chance and he set up well as well and he changed things during the game as well so um, that reflected well on him and uh, fair play you know, he ticked every box and, and then some didn't he really he even looked apart on the <laughs> on the touchline which, which helps this is one of the we, we were yeah. talking we talked to one of our previous Everett managers he just looked apart didn't he his, um, his game management was decent yeah. as well. I mean, imagine the reaction if Mark Silver had taken Richarlison off and brought, you know, sort of Tom Davis on, you know, oh, here we go, you know, so trying to, you know, so hold on to, you know, the 2 1 lead. Uh, it raised eyebrows because Richarlison was playing really well mm. and he looked pretty crestfallen, to be honest, you know, so sort of being told to come off with 20 minutes to go. But like you say about force of personality, you know, Duncan has that authority and that presence to be able to do that. Mm. Um, and then Davis played in a more advanced position than we thought and ultimately, you know, played a role in the uh, decisive third goal. So his, his switches worked. You know, that's not mm. going to happen, you know, so every time. That's the, that, that's the thing, though, isn't it? Sorry to interrupt, but 
it, it kind of felt like everything that could go wrong for Marco, especially towards yeah. the end, was going wrong. Yeah. You know, these changes that Duncan made, you know, going four four two, going quite direct, bringing Dave, they all had the potential to to go massively wrong. You yeah. know, and but everything that could have went right on the day, and in terms of player performance, being a every player being at one hundred percent did, didn't it? And I think kind of in a way that kind of maybe obviously in the short term proved the decision a little bit maybe right maybe it, it did just seemingly come to the end with Silver that f- for all the kind of trying in the world things just weren't coming off for him at all really I'm, I'm a big believer in the uh, old adage about making your own look as well you know okay mm. we got I wouldn't say got lucky you know so Chelsea had a couple of you know opportunities couple of you know uh, crosses fizzed across the box you thought oh that could have you know ended differently but equally you know Calvert-Lewin missed a good chance in the first half yeah. Everson made their luck by pressing by being intense uh, by having a real aggression you know controlled aggression to the performance which hadn't been there certainly hadn't been there on Wednesday at Anfield yeah. in the derby which for 20 minutes Liverpool did what they wanted um, and it was there and so when you do that when you're at it you know so when you're pressing and you're forcing opponents into mistakes you tend to get a bit lucky you know because you're making yeah. things happen so you know yeah you could say that you know fortunate in some respects and Marco was very very unfortunate in a lot of the things that went wrong for him with injuries with VAR decisions but I think Emerson deserved what they got at the weekend It's been a long time as well since we've seen that kind of there was that little period of play wasn't it and it didn't lead to a goal it didn't really lead to anything but there was a succession of four or five players pressing, and I think we eventually took the ball off Chelsea, or it was a free kick, or a mm. throw in, or you know the play kind of broke up, and, and the stadium just erupted, didn't yeah. it? Because at the end of the day, you know, the Goodison, whatever you say about it, it feed, it still has to feed off the players, kind of at the very least, putting the effort in, doesn't it? And, and that has been, I just think that maybe was the thing that was missing for too long, and I think. You know, when the crowd and the players and the manager working working tandem the way it did. On Saturday, I, I just, I, I, I honestly don't know if any team could could beat us at Goodison, and that's what we showed at the back end of last season, and that's why we were so positive about this new season. And unfortunately, it just didn't pan out that way. Gav, it, it looks very much like that, that Duncan will be in the dugout at Old Trafford, and and quite possibly, you know, uh, in the dugout for Wednesday next Wednesday against yeah. Leicester. Um, let's let's see on that one. But how sustainable, first of all, are those tactics? Now I'm I'm not for one second suggesting that's all, that's all Duncan's got in his yeah, locker, no. but I'm just saying it got a reaction on on Saturday at Goodison. It was almost felt like it was the perfect setup, for, and, and you know it was the perfect approach. Can we play that way at Old Trafford? Can we play that way going forwards? You, you can play four four two at Old Trafford. I mean, when you're away from home, it's a slightly different game, isn't it? It's a bit more uh, cat and mouse, isn't it? So um, I think it. Probably sit back a bit more away from home, and just see see, see how it pans out. You if you're talking about specifically about Man United, as we seen on Saturday, they've got a hell of a lot of pace on the break. So what you don't want to do is get caught out there. So you've got to keep your keep your shape um, defensively. Um, so it's tactics are sustainable. Whether you get that intensity, because you, it, you, you said something interesting in, in, yeah. your, in your first remarks early on that. You know, in that short space of time Duncan had between being told he's got getting the job temporarily to the game was a perfect short, sharp, get your message across. Yeah. It might be different with a week. It, yeah, so yeah, they absolutely. came back in on Tuesday. It's now Wednesday afternoon we're recording this going Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Are you have you got concerns that 
we might slip back into some of the old habits or what, what you No, saw? no, not, not concerns. Um, but it'll be a different game. I mean, Man United are flying hard at the moment, two big wins, but they do tend to struggle against the teams lower down, strangely enough. Um, so I haven't got I haven't got concerns. The concern I've got really around this week and the players is the uncertainty around the manager. There can't be a great atmosphere if you're mm-hmm. the coaching players when you don't really know what's going on, which we'll talk about later. Um, so, but no, keep saying you keep four four two, which you used to tactically, you know, expect a similar type of uh, you know performance to adapt to United's uh, strengths. Um, but you can't play intense football over a period of time. You know, it's that eventually you'll implode. Then, won't you? You have to have something else in your locker. But certainly in the short term, yeah. Bruno, um it would be sort of my sort of preference, perhaps that you know, as you mentioned, the win over Saturday's bought the board some time, yeah. and I think the way that we played against Chelsea, if that if we could replicate that atmosphere, that that intensity, that pressure would be perfect for Wednesday against Leicester City in the cup. That you know, that that, that very much that cup cup tie atmosphere mm-hmm. and feel, wasn't there? But how sustainable is this, and how long can Duncan go on as temporary coach? Because you know how emotionally invested he is in this club and in the job. He joked afterwards, he said, I don't think I can go through that again, and <laughs> laughed. But probably behind the laugh was a degree of seriousness. Yeah. Do you sense that because he is so emotionally invested in it and he felt the pressure of trying to deliver a victory on Saturday, that you could get to, you know, it's not sustainable beyond maybe two more games. And actually, although the board have got more time, there is a necessity to get something yeah, it, permanently. It's a difficult one to quantify because uh, Sunday's opponents, Man United, discovered that when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer came in and had this astonishing run of success, uh, which lasted best part of a couple of months. He got dead lucky. I mean, PSG, how they won that game, you know, I have no idea. Uh, but, you know, that was a period that extended for several months and ultimately got him the job permanently. Yeah. And then, it, you know, started to fall apart. But, you know, they've been up and down this season. There have been occasions, as they showed last weekend, where they can still turn it on. Um, could Duncan get a similar reaction from the players? I don't really see why not, you know, because it's, like Gavin said before, force of personality. Uh, and when you've got a manager that is clearly shows how much it matters to him, and he's behaving the way he does on the touchline. Uh, the players automatically, you know, so it's contagious, you know, mm-hmm. so the, the players see that and feel it, as do the fans. You know, Jurgen Klopp gets so much flack, you know, so amongst Evertonians for the way he behaves on the touchline. But the players clearly love it. And, you know, so having a manager in there who's quite demonstrative, who clearly has the same aims and ambitions as you, and, you know, behaves like that, can just add that little extra percentage point or two, you know, so to your performance. So, you know, going forward, it's going to be difficult, obviously. You know, it's such a tough run of games in December. Uh, United, you know, absolutely bouncing after that win last weekend. You know, very, very tough place to go anyway. And in Leicester, the second best team in the country at the moment, and playing some really good football. But, you know, the atmosphere will be something else on Wednesday, and it's a one-off occasion. Everton were very unfortunate not to get a result against them only about a fortnight ago, uh, when Leicester were flying just as well. So absolutely no reason why that can't be, you know, sort of a big night next Wednesday. And then, who knows... But it depends on who's available. Um, you know, if there's a top quality manager available at the moment who could be appointed, and there is, uh, <laughs> after, after what happened in Naples last night, um, you know, Everton would be silly not to make an appointment as quickly as humanly possible. If you know, Sir Carlo Ancelotti wants to come to uh, to Merseyside, I mean, clearly he wants to come back to England. 
Uh, we're led to believe that Arsenal aren't quite as enthusiastic about bringing him in, which baffles me, to be honest, because he's one of the best coaches in the world. Uh, but, you know, if an A-level co- uh, A-list coach like that is available, yeah, you'd want him in your football club sooner rather than later. If that's not a possibility, well, I don't see any reason why Duncan couldn't continue for, you know, sort of several weeks yet. Just just stay with you, Prenner, and just stay on Duncan before, before we bring the conversation back on to Angelotti. Um, what did you make of, of Duncan's uh, revelation that he wore an old watch of Howard's? Oh, that was, it, was, it was quite poignant, quite spine-tingling. It was, you know, we know how close Duncan and Howard work. You know, Howard did a column with us, you know, so every week for years, you know. Obviously, Duncan doesn't speak to the media. I don't know why, because he spoke so well and so eloquently and so articulately after the game. Uh, you know, we've been missing out for a long time, you know, so on the, the, the way he conducts himself. But, yeah, we knew how close they were. Uh, I know that he keeps in touch with Lily, you know, so Howard's wife, you know, so they, they see each other, you know, so often. And... I thought it was quite fitting that he had a little part of Howard with him. Uh, the piece I did on the, I wrote it Saturday night actually because I was still buzzing after the game <laughs> and talked about Howard would be looking down, you know, sort of thinking that'll do son, you know, looking at, and the two goals, you know, the second half goal scored by a number nine in the stand that bears Howard's name. It was all kind of fitting. So then to learn subsequently that he had Howard's old watch on his uh, wrist, it, it was lovely. It, it was just a beautiful story. It will have meant a lot to, you know, to Lily. It will have meant a lot to Duncan that, that he was there. And it just shows that you know, so Everton does have this, this family feel to it, really. I know people laugh about it saying it's our sentimental nonsense, but it isn't. There is like a real family feel to Everton Football Club. And you know, so Howard is the best manager we've ever had. And so it's quite nice to think that, you know, a little part of him, you know, was with the current manager there on the day. It was a lovely story. Um, and, you know, Duncan didn't give it up as, as a way of manipulating the media or as a way of, you know, sort of well, trying I actually, to... Trying I to actually bit. asked him about his, his, his sweatband on his wrist yeah. Yeah. and then he just went off and, and decided to tell us this story. Exactly, yeah, yeah. but it was, it, it was, it came from the heart, it was genuine, yeah. uh, as, as so much about Duncan Ferguson is. Uh, so, yeah, it, it was a beautiful story and I loved it, really did love it, yeah. Can I just add another point about Ferguson? Have, yeah is by doing so well on Saturday and we don't know how long it's going to last for, you know, this term, he has made it difficult, hasn't he, for the next manager coming in. Well, in, in that. Yeah. It would take a very brave manager to come in, just yeah. generally, yeah, yeah. and say to Duncan, listen, you haven't got a, you haven't got a job here because I want to bring my own coaching team in. Um, you know, that, that's in more ways than one. And so the, the problem you've got then is if... The, because he's such a popular figure and he had added to his reputation on Saturday, if a new manager came in and said the first thing they were getting rid of Duncan Ferguson, and that's actually in terms of connecting with supporters, yeah. that's not the uh, you know not the best thing to do. And then the, the, the other side of the coin is if he's sitting on the bench and we're struggling, you know what the first thing mm. supporters are going mm. to say, aren't you? you know. So there's this. There's a, there's a bit of an issue there that it, actually is created. It it's is a nice nice issue in some respects. Yeah. And, but it, it actually, it, it's his shadow there, isn't it? You know, but, but what Duncan forward. said afterwards, I think nailed that a little bit where he said that I'm not ready, yes. You know, so I'm here as long as they want me, yeah. but you know, I'm not ready to be a full-time manager, yes. I think clearly the way he can motivate players hasn't been utilised to its fullest extent. You know, we're told that, you know, so other managers during his time there have marginalised him or mm. have not allowed him to speak in the dressing room. And you'd imagine that, you know, a new manager comes in, having witnessed what happened on Saturday, it would be a fool not to use those motivational powers. Yeah, that's what you do. Yeah. Um, and um, and he didn't do himself any harm just within the wider game. If he was looking for jobs outside of Everton, mm. he didn't do himself any harm on, on Saturday. And indeed may, may add to that sort of reputation in the next few weeks. And so adding to that, Gav, you know, in terms of something I've been thinking about for, 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 for a number of weeks almost, I mean, 
when we felt like that there could be change in the air. Not only as the results and the performance perhaps, let's say, put managers off, but maybe made them a bit more reluctant to take over right now, if, if so to speak. But the run of games mm. before Christmas, if you're a new manager, do you want to, to be taking the team over at Old Trafford in a big quarterfinal and then at home to Arsenal all before Christmas? Or are you just keeping your powder dry going, give me Burnley at home, please? Then Man City away at some points, isn't it? So that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then Liverpool away, yeah. It, yeah. So, depends I mean, on much you want. Two, two games where you think, yeah, push comes to shove, we should be picking up some decent points. Depends how much get... you want the job, though, doesn't it, Phil? If you want the job, you'd take it any time, wouldn't you? I'm just saying that. Yeah, yeah. Some, you know... But there would there'd be a few, would be, you know, and clubs do that. Man City did it when they sacked Hughes, didn't they? They let Hughes have all the difficult figures and fixtures and then give Mancini <laughs> like mm. six or seven games where they could win, you know, on the spin, which he did. So um, clubs and managers are cognizant of that. Um, in my, in my, that may be the case. And it may be the best for the club while they got them, you know, Leicester next week is a massive game. You probably, I point you see him to last Saturday, you probably want to... Duncan in charge. I don't know. That's yeah. counterintuitive. But That's what I think. You might yeah. want. You might want Duncan in charge of that game. Yes. Goodish on the lights. Big game. Big rewards. The semi final. If you think actually. To sign off. Imagine well, for Duncan yeah, to yeah, sign off yeah. for the victory there. Yeah. So like he took us to the semi. You might, you might. Whatever happens on Saturday, you might say, "Well, actually, we might even leave this in a couple of weeks." And anything that you do, play wise or manager wise, just before Christmas or anything in your life just before Christmas is is difficult, isn't it? Mm. Um, Sam, let's come back to Ancelotti. Um, Preno spoke in very complimentary terms about about him. Would you like to see Carlo Ancelotti become the uh, new manager of Everton? The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> All right, any one of got a few got a few Champions Leagues under his belt. One of only th- three, four managers have won three. Champions League yeah. with two different clubs as well. Uh, double in this country. Oh, he's an A-list manager. There aren't many out there who can match his track record. And he's oh. 59. He's oh, not. Oh, we have no. He's kind an of... A-list manager, and I'll put this to both of you. Then he's an A-list manager. Playing devil's advocate, we don't have an A-list squad. We don't have an, uh, an A-list squad, but we certainly have a, a squad and a and, and a budget that Carl. Do, do we have a budget? I'm not too sure, but I think if if Mashidi is kind of still keen on 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 completing his his vision and Everton, then then I don't see why why we wouldn't back a new manager. And I don't see why you know if if he wanted to create this kind of Hollywood of football in the northwest, what he kind of said when we appointed Coom, and then then this is time because at the end of the day, for whatever you say, I don't think Coom ever really was the Hollywood of football, and Silver certainly wasn't. When he was first appointed, you know there was hope that he could maybe grow into that, and unfortunately that didn't didn't work out. You know, there's got to be a change of approach somewhere, hasn't there? And and as Preno was saying, if an A-list manager becomes available and he wants to to manage Everton, I think okay, there's there's no guarantee of success at the moment with, with any manager really. I don't think, and certainly not with Everton's squad and the, the deficiencies that have been showing up so far this season. But you know, our, our last appointments have certainly not been. A-list managers, and I think that is certainly what I think because you know I wouldn't say we got lucky with Moyes, but you know I think because it, it worked out for the time incredibly well, taking taking David from the Championship, and then you know we tried to kind of do something similar with 
Roberto Martinez in terms of, you know, a, a popular kind of manager who'd done okay with Wigan, but obviously he'd been relegated and then Koeman had kind of middled out and got Southampton into, into Europe. But no one had this kind of glow on TV that Ancelotti does, so it, it would just be amazing as, a, as an Evertonian of, of my age who has never seen us win anything to, to have Carlo Ancelotti as as the Everton manager. So I think it would be some task to get him. Obviously Arsenal looking for a, a manager at the same time, but it would just show such ambition and, and send a real message out there. I don't think for one minute if we got him he'd be here for 10 years, but I think he is the kind of... Ma- Imagine him walking into the into the dressing room, there, there wouldn't be no messing around there, I don't think, and I think he would genuinely get the best out of us. <laughs> As you're saying, that might be the only problem. Is is he known for building squads? Is he known for building projects? No, probably not. Has he had the best last couple of years? No, probably not. But he, he is an absolute proven winner and, and one of the best kind of options out there who, who ticks almost all of the boxes. And if it's not Ancelotti at the moment, then I just can't see who will come in, who we get mid-season. I think we would probably end up getting an interim and looking at it again in the summer. He gives a club profile. I mean, obviously in this room, you know, so we all think of Everton as, you know, the greatest team in the world. Uh, but you look at, you know, where, where the club's profile has fallen yeah. over the last few years. And, you know, much as we hate to admit it, you know, we've suffered. Yeah. Uh, so appointing a manager who's known all over the world as being one of the greatest managers, you know, the game's seen, makes people sit up and take notice. Wow, what's happening at Everton? You know, so what kind of football club is this? People in Europe, people on the other side of the world. And, you know, it's it just... There's no real negative to it at all, to be honest. This is all supposing that, you know, he would want to come to Goodison Park. We don't know that yet. I must stress that fact. Um, but, you know, for me, it's just, it, it would be a great appointment. You know, we actually had to write a piece earlier this week about who we wanted to see come in. And uh, I wrote in glowing terms about Ancelotti and then ultimately opted for Diego Simeone uh, Oof, because imagine. of the yeah. aggression that his football teams produced and because he achieved, you know, similar... F- you know, in, in a city like Madrid, you know, so where the, the, the poor relations, if you like, where he actually had the poor relations, you know, so on level terms with Real Madrid, you know, Champions League final uh, against some playing some really great in your face aggressive football, which is why I ultimately, you know, opted for him. And he expressed an interest in the Everton project, was it, you know, when Marco Silva was approached. Doesn't necessarily mean he'd be interested in coming now, mm. uh, but. Uh, Two absolute A-list managers, which is what Everson should be looking at. You know, Vitor Pereira has ruled himself out now, but to me, that was another gamble. That was another manager like Marco Silva, who achieved success in lower lower leagues, you know, like Portugal and Greece, uh, but had also, you know, some fairly, you know, so high-profile, you know, so failures as well. You're taking a risk. You're taking a gamble. Every managerial appointment is a gamble, but that gamble is lessened if you've got a manager that has been successful in a number of different places. And, you know, so clearly Ancelotti has, maybe not Simeone, but, you know, he's certainly been very, very successful at Atletico. I, I honestly just think now has, has, has become the time for, and I think you, you wrote it last week, Phil, but I think the club would just win so much more favour if it was kind of just made quite widely known that Marcel Brands was going to choose... The, the next manager, whether that be for now, and if he couldn't get him now, you know, the, maybe Farhad and, and Bill Kenwright helped to appoint an interim in the meantime, and we went back to it in the summer. I just don't really see why. I, I don't feel like Vitor Pereira would have been someone that Marcel Brands would particularly have have wanted himself, and I, I just don't see why the director of football, who's going to work in such close quarters with a manager every day, wouldn't be allowed to to choose. The new man, and I'd be really interested to kind of see who who Marcel would, would go for. Obviously, you know names get 
swirled around social media and 99.9% of them probably aren't true, but it would be worrying for me if, it, if, if Marcel didn't have a, a massive part to play in, in picking this new manager. And I think I'd kind of stand by anyone he picked instead of, as Dave, saying someone who could be perceived as a gamble and is just kind of thrown into it. And it's a case of Marcel meet this man and, and this man meet Marcel. And, it, and it, it's kind of starting all over again with potentially two different ideologies. So I think that, that that's a part of the search that people are forgetting about, that there is this kind of middleman director of football kind of involved in it all as well, who, who needs to be kind of involved. Yeah, I, I mean, by cards on the table here, I wouldn't have Ancelotti. Okay, go on. Um, you touched on it there. He's not, I, I appreciate his CV, it's fantastic CV. There's a clue there in his CV, he's only got four league titles, hasn't he? One of them's in P- one of them's PSG, so all due respect to the French League. Now is, you know, and one was in this country. country. One was at Chelsea. Mm. But he's, he's always managed big clubs, and big, oh, initially, big Reggiana and Palmer is where he made yeah, his but name. Yeah, success. Yeah. He's, he's a light yeah. touch manager, isn't he? So he, yeah. he's, his twenty years of being characterised by managing big players and massaging their egos and getting the best out of big games. What what he doesn't do and hasn't really done is he's created an atmosphere of bringing through young talent and seeing them develop through through the squad. Which is so Sam's point there about you know brands. I've been interested to see what brands who set, you know, sort of set out his football strategy, how he would react to an appointment of Ancelotti, who in many respects is the complete opposite of what brands wants to do as a director of football. I'm not disputing, I'm not disputing Ancelotti's CV, I'm not disputing his, his, his reputation within the game and what he'd do from a PR perspective and, you know, and being newsworthy for the club. But for me... I don't. It goes back to what our football strategy is, and I don't see that sort of brands and Ancelotti thing fitting, you know. And, and are you sort of saying if if we'd if we'd rolled back to the summer of 2016, Martinez sacked, the way we were operating and the way maybe our finances looked, and Ancelotti would have been a more understandable fit then than it is now. Probably, yeah. I think Benitez, we said that Benitez wasn't being the perfect fit then. Maybe. We'd have, we'd have, we had more money to spend then what we'll have but this in the next 12 saying, months. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Um, and, and and also, right to the start of Farhad, Farhad's team, he would have had a big name in, in place which sends, it sends out his own message. You know, as Sam said, Cumin, yeah, big name, but not that yeah. big a name. Uh, and for me, Ancelotti just wouldn't work at Everton. Um, from from a playing perspective, but you don't know. Maybe he's got something to prove, um, and you know certainly you know get the respect of the players. Mm. You know, and he has managed there before. Ironically, uh, so had he been sacked to go to someone Saturday. He's got know, his yeah. marching orders, yeah. yeah so uh, maybe that might put him off. You know, last time we walked down this corridor, we got sacked. You mm. know, so uh, I don't know. I I I, I appreciate the, the 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 sort of PR arguments, but from a footballing perspective, I don't get it. And I'm not sure brands would get it either. Cool. So, so, what would be the other fit? You know, if uh, if he's not a fit, what kind well, of manager? Well, if you want, if you want your brands, yeah. brands model, and what we need at the club at the moment of recruiting young players and getting the best out of them, selling for bigger fees. You're not a young, sack, sack, ambitious sack manager. I mean, yeah, that's it. I mean, which that's is a where risk. Silver yeah. was, yeah. yeah, yeah. Silver was sorted in that, you know, category, wasn't he? Uh, um, and then that's that's. That's it for me. I'm not sure whether Ancelotti would fit in, but you know, it, 
Is, is there a, again, I'm just thinking out loud, is there a, is there a middle ground that you appoint Ancelotti but his backroom staff has to be um, built with people who, who can work with young players to help? Yeah, well, that's what the director of football is there for, isn't it? To, to, to create that, to create that, like, sort of, you know, relationship at all levels within the club. You know, and um, that, that's what Brands is there for. So, you know, brands could make that work, but it would be difficult to do. I mean, Car- Carlo's 60, he's done 20 years now. You wonder you know, how many years you've got left at the top. It, you um, can understand, though, and you can, and you can understand supporters and, and, and people saying this is an opportunity that may never come back round for us until we're a Champions League team, you know, whenever that would be. Or yeah. Whenever. So you could, can you understand the the, the 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 thought process that while the strike while the iron's hot, he's just lost his job. There's an understanding he'd be keen on a return to England. We've got to go for it. We may, we may yeah, live to regret I, this. I decision. get that. Yeah, I get that completely. And as Peno says, every every appointment's got a risk element to it. Um, but to me, I, I just I can't see it working for me. I tell you what, it would be. I tell you, it would be pleased, Moise Keane. Mm. I would imagine he'd be pleased yeah, if Anthony came through, yeah. through the through the dressing room. Or I think he'd be keen, but I just just don't see it. But I do get the PR perspective, and at the moment we don't. Let's face it, there's not a lot of options out there, is it, yeah. that are uh, available and we could bring in. So there's that angle to it. Um, and unless Carlos be able to show that he can change his ways after 20 odd years as a manager, is it's. I, th- I think it's going to be quite difficult uh, at a time when we're not going to have a lot of money to spend. This is this is probably the, the most time I, I can remember since ever watching footy. In terms of just being a complete lack of of managers, and of and of because of the position, the kind of unique position Everton are in, in, in that you know, uh, as a fan base and a, as a club historically, we should be kind of punching at least this season. Our, our aim was to, to to kind of try and break into the top six, um, but you know our, our league finishes over the last few years haven't quite reflected that. So you know we 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 can't go out and say right this this time we're going to go and get Simeone, we're going to go and get this fellow from. You know, we, we can't quite get that kind of high, high-level manager, but at the same time, the fans, seemingly from what what you see on social media and here in the stands, they're not going to settle for a for a David Moyes type. You know, the, the, they didn't settle for a, a Sam Allardyce type last time that came around. So, you know, we are just in such a kind of a limbo of of who to go for, and it is just possibly the the biggest appointment. Well, certainly the biggest appointment of Farhad Mashidi's reign, and, and one of the biggest moments in in Everton's history, I think, because at the end of the day, when did Tottenham's fortunes kind of start to turn permanently when they got Pochettino? You know, you look at the impact, as much as it's horrible to say the Klopp's had on Liverpool, Guardiola's turned Manchester City into, you know, one of the best team the, the teams the Premier League's ever seen. You know, it all starts with getting the right manager and, and it's shown time and time again. It's not, you know, it's, you look at every team who's having kind of subjective success this season they got the right manager you look at Wolves they seemingly stumbled uh, upon the right manager but at the same time what Everton have got to hope for is you know it took Tottenham a long time it took Liverpool a long time it's taken a lot of teams that a few managers and and quite a lot of ins and outs to get to that point and hopefully Everton do hit upon the right one but it's got to be sooner rather than later because this kind of 18 month cycle we've we've stumbled upon certainly for the last two kind of long-term managers we've had, is, is starting to grow frustrating. And I think why people turned so fast on, on Marco, because 
you know, they, they just want someone to, to get it right and, and, and get the basics right and try and kind of get us competing where, where we think we should be. And, and, and that is obviously why it's the it's the hardest decision out there because at the moment there's no, no one really, really grabbing you who you can say would be an instant success for Everton. So, Preno, all that being said, why don't the club, they've been bought a little bit of time by Duncan getting a victory, why don't they buy themselves even more time, buy Marcel even more time and, in, and appoint an interim until the end of the season? Uh, because exactly the same criteria applies. What interim managers are available out there that you think would have you know, so, you know, a significant impact? David Moyes is the obvious one. And I've sat in this room and I've said many times, you know, so why I wouldn't be against that. Uh, but I, I don't know if I'm in a minority, but certainly you know, there's a divide amongst the Everton fan base and an awful lot are so against the idea that, that I've heard plenty said he wouldn't go back to Goodison Park if he, he returned. Which I don't. Wow. I don't understand it because when he left you know, in 2014, you know, he left to a hero's you know farewell. Uh, the club was playing great football. We'd finished in the top five, six again, um, and you know he was given a really fun farewell. And did he really do that much wrong? You know, subsequently by trying to sign Leighton Baines and uh, you know Marouane Fellaini. Except, you know, the way in which he left Everton, you know, negotiating behind the back, you know, so left a bit of a sour taste. And then his record has been, shall we politely say, mixed, uh, you know, so since, you know, I think he was harshly treated at Manchester United. Yeah. But, you know, so certainly in Spain, it was a bit up and down. West Ham, we did a solid job. Uh, Sunderland, he did a dreadful job. But then again, most people seem to do dreadful jobs at Sunderland. I think he'd be a fairly, you know, sort of safe pair of hands. But if it's going to divide the fan base so much... Can we really think about that? You know, so if we're going to be starting with the negative mindset straight away, I'm not so sure that, that is the right decision. Um, so who else is out there for interim? Duncan, you know, he, he himself has said um, he doesn't feel like he's quite ready for it just yet. That would probably be, you know, so the most, you know, so enthusiastically received. Um, but after that, there aren't many managers available. So if there are top quality managers available who want the job, why not get it done now? You know, so rather than messing around with interim appointments. Is there any name that hasn't been mentioned or considered that you think we should be looking at? <laughs> Rafa put himself in the frame, didn't he, on Monday yeah. night? Uh, but that won't happen. You know, there, there are people at the football club that won't even countenance that. Uh, I like Rafa as a manager. You know, so I would take him all day long at Everson, but you know, it, it's not going to happen. Um, I don't know. Are there any names out there that haven't been discussed yet? Well, many was mentioned, wasn't he? Yeah, in dispatches, and understand that the club might have had a conversation with him. Yeah, yeah. Who was he? Emery. Right, yeah. He's spoken to him before. Yeah. yeah. But apart from that, there's there's a lack of lack of options available to us, isn't there? Really, who are in our sort of so high price range for about one. So, so what? I, again, just yeah. just trying to sort of for the for the interest of debate and what I said to Preno, there's a lack of options. So, are we in danger? For whatever reason, rightly or wrongly, are in this position. Are we in danger of rushing or or appointing for appointing's sake? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Can we? Which can may we, have, we may have done that in the past. Uh, and it, that's a, but that's a worry though, isn't it? Because yeah. you, you can't be doing that. No. It's such an important. No, well, as Sam says, it is. It is because you would expect this manager now, if they did a good job, to be there or they're about to move move ground. I mean, know what a seismic effect yeah. that can have on the club and the way it's drawn and operates uh, um, so you would expect any new manager to be there in three or four years time so it has to be the uh, has to be well thought out not just like in the short term but the longer term of the challenge because that, that's going to be a big challenge that um, so 
As, and as Sam said quite highly, it is probably the most important managerial appointment, certainly in my lifetime. Mind you, said that about silver, so... I keep saying it. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah so... Yeah. Well, maybe it isn't. I, I, was, I was rather than took the time and got the best man to make a rushed appointment. I think that's why, like, what Prenn yeah. was saying probably wouldn't be... A, against Moyes but then at the same time like what you were saying Phil if they did put Moyes in and they lost like the League Cup quarter final and then a few more games then the atmosphere would probably be yeah. Yeah, just, as, just beat, as bad so got beat three in a landfield in the FA Cup or something mm. like that Moyes' record there wasn't, wasn't great was it so, it, so it, it comes back to one of my earlier questions to Pro in terms of say the club go yeah you know what we're going to give ourselves to the end of the season physically because given how much he put into that game on Saturday and how exhausted he was emotionally Mentally, physically, can Duncan last nine months in the in the job because he's so involved in it? You so know what I mean. So we're gonna need some reserve ball every, boys. He, he, pours <laughs> yeah. every, he pours every ounce of, of himself yeah. into ninety minutes, and he looked. You know, he he admitted he was he was exhausted by the by the by the experience. Yeah, well, it's going to be emotionally draining. But once he sits back and takes stock and looks at it again yeah. and there's probably going to be a little bit more support this time mm. then you may think actually I'm not so sure now maybe that's what, what managers do it's, yeah, a, it's a stressful yeah. job but you yeah. know you look at we seem to refer to him so often but then again they are only across the park but you know the way Klopp conducts himself every match you know he absolutely lives but and the, breathes every minute of the is, game Jürgen didn't live and breathe Liverpool Football Club until he was appointed mm. Duncan uh, has lived and breathed football uh, club for however you know and he managed the Dortmund and mine so we'd have you know, uh, what, 10 years as manager before he went to Anfield. So, um, slightly different. I guess I'm just I, saying, I, I, are, yeah. we, are we asking too much of Duncan to say, look, can he take it till the end of the season? Of course he would say yes, because he'll never turn the but, football but You don't down. have to ask that quite It goes back to your question before, though, doesn't it? Is it not too much to ask him to say, listen, Duncan, can you take the next two or three games? And just carry Christmas. on. Christmas. Right, OK. Because actually, it's not a great time to appoint a manager. We'd like to have like a bit of time out and do, do it the new step year, by know? step. Yeah, yeah two or three I, I games chunks maybe, each time. Maybe we don't have to make a decision. Maybe, uh, and and we can just say, you know, three or four games. Can you just take us through before while we're and let's let's take stock. Yeah, because I think the, it's not only the manager that they need to think about. It's what you know the brands thing, isn't it? This is the big concern with supporters quite rightly this week, isn't it? Who's choosing the manager? Now, regardless about what you think is is. You should be choosing it. The one thing we need to decide on is what is our like strategy going to be football and wise, the type of players that we want to bring in, etc. And so we need to think about that as well. And that that and and so there needs to be a lot of conversations around that, which I don't think necessarily we've nailed down previously. And um all that points to to me to saying to Duncan, listen, maybe take us into the new year. You know, go out with a win at Anfield and the cup that'll uh, yeah. you know that and and then we'll take it in there because you then get They've got that break, haven't they, in Jan- is it January? The Feb, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it slows down a little bit in the new year, doesn't it, with with the Cups and that, that break. And I think they may choose that time to, 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 to choose. Heaven forbid, and obviously we, we still look at a very concertina league table, but what happens if after that period, Gav, hypothetically, takes to the end of the January dunk and he hasn't, he hasn't been able to get the same reaction and we find ourselves in the bottom three? Well, that's when we need, but we've given our breathing space then, haven't we, for mm-hmm. giving ourselves six weeks to choose a new manager. Yeah. So that, that's when you would expect a new manager to come in. Yeah. You know? that, that, I think that, that we don't need to make an interim or permanent appointment at this stage for me. We just tell Duncan just to keep it going for a few weeks. 
keep the uh, the pot boiling, so to speak. Chaps, that's where we'll finish today's podcast. Thank you very much for your company. Excellent, as always. And thank you very much for listening. We'll be back again around the table on Friday. A post-press conference, we'll be expecting that to be given by Duncan Ferguson uh, probably on Friday. Uh, so we will reconvene on Friday afternoon and look ahead to Sunday's trip to Old Trafford. But for now, thank you very much. And thank you. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.